Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. I think it would be appropriate to start off with a little horns down, baby. Come on, somebody. Yeah, where are my Mountaineer guys at? Come on. Wow, what a game. Y'all have just about converted me to a WVU fan, I'm telling you. I meant the game sweating bullets, and I'm like, what's happening? Guess I'm becoming a fan. Yeah, it's happening. What a game. Welcome to Bethesda Church. Glad you're here. If it's uh, your first time, thank you so much for being with us. want to welcome those online that are watching uh, as well. Thank you for joining us today. Um, every time I pull up onto our parking lot, every, whether it's a weekday, a Sunday, every time I come, I'm reminded of the goodness of God, um, that God is doing something big in a small place. It's really cool what's happening here at the church. So many lives are being changed week in and week out. And so um, if you are a guest today, I want you to just kind of hang in. And um, if it's your first time, second time, please continue to come for several weeks because I got to make a big announcement up front and then do something that we do here at Bethesda every November. Uh, And so you'll just have to bear with us. Um, But I want to start with kind of letting you guys in on where we are with the expansion of our facilities. As you know, we um, are building two brand new buildings right outside, uh, mid-building and a new sanctuary, and uh, that is actually phase two. We started expanding three years ago uh, with phase one. That all began with uh, buying three additional acres and turning it into parking because it would would have been crazy to uh, have a sanctuary that can seat a thousand people and nowhere to park. So phase one was more about the parking lot and and then we stepped into phase two. And with that being said, we are adding 26,000 square feet uh, with these two buildings that God is helping us. And I want to say up front that I am so thankful for you, your, your faithfulness, your generosity, your willingness to believe in the vision here at Bethesda Church to reach people. Over 600 people have given their life to Christ this year. Isn't that amazing what God is doing? And so we believe with all of our heart, we're not building buildings, we're building the lives of people. And that's what we're about here at Bethesda Church. And so I want you to know where we are and thank you for your giving and your generosity. And I also want to love on our board of directors that have been leading you through all of these phases. Um, we, have, we have some men that uh, love you, love this church, um, love me and my wife, I hope still after all this time. Um, but they have made a lot of uh, incredible financial decisions on your behalf. They're in place to represent you and to protect you, but they also are in place to protect me so that I don't do anything stupid that I would regret. Uh, and I never wanted to be the guy to get up on a platform and say, hey, let's build a $3 million building. And I'm like by myself. And so our board of directors, they have been guiding us and leading us and making decisions for us as we've gone throughout the process. And I just want to tell them publicly how much I'm thankful for them. That is um, Brent Lynch, that is Marty O'Brien, Greg Clark, Justin Weichel, and who did I just leave out? 
Greg, Justin, Brent, Marty, and Eric Hodge. Is that everybody? That's all five. I did five, right? Can we give them some love right now? They are awesome. They're leading you in, in, in the finances of our church in such a great way. Uh, and as you know, it was phase one, phase two. And some good news is, is that when we kick this off, in um, this second phase in March of 2017, we launched what we called the Imagine Campaign, which is a two-year campaign to give above what we normally do so that we could raise as much capital as possible while we were in the middle of construction so that we could not only secure a bank loan, but also be ingesting um, uh, injecting, ingesting, injecting, I'll get it right, injecting cash into the project. And so uh, as we've done that, we, um, we have injected so far 1.4 million in cash in it. Come on, you got to give yourselves a hand. That's your generosity. That's, that's really cool. As a whole, we've, inje- we've injected $1.4 million, a little over. Now, with that being said, in March of 17, when we kicked off the Imagine campaign to raise capital uh, to put into the project, we also secured a bank loan for about $2.7 million um, because we really felt that at when we began everything from, if you go back three years ago to day one, we thought that the parking, buying the land, building the building, that it would all cost about three and a half to $4 million. That's, that's kind of after we gathered estimates and, and put it all together. That's what we were thinking on paper. And that's, that's how we were making decisions based on that. Um, now, our, our uh, headquarter, our denomination, have, we have a covering here at Bethesda Church, and our denominational covering had approved us in, in 2017 to uh, take out a loan up to $3 million based on our current financial situation. Okay, that was what we were approved for, and talking to the banks, it ended up being $2.7 million. Okay, that's what we took out. Now, we are this far in the project, and right up front, I got to let everybody, everybody know we're okay. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, we're okay. Because I've shared some good news, but I also got to share some news that I was real nervous about sharing with our board of directors. But as we've been doing this process, what we've noticed is just about from the time we got estimates to the time we secured contracts, uh, the economy has shifted. And construction largely is up about 25 to 28% across the board. And construction companies are so busy that a lot of them wouldn't even come in and give a bid because they said we couldn't fit you in a schedule anyway. Um, and so we ran into 25 to 28% raises on, on everything construction. And we hit uh, a few snags in the foundation, getting it prepared. And then also with the video and the lighting and the sound and to do what we do live stream around the world, that also went up significantly. So a long story short, what we thought was about a three and a half to $4 million project total, buying the property, building the buildings, parking lot, everything, is coming out to be more about $5 million, all right? So about a million over what we had anticipated. And that's not like one of those things that don't happen. Most stories that you hear of churches building something on this level is usually just average about 20% above what everybody thinks it will cost. And so I wanted you guys to know that and also to let you know uh, that when I went in to share that with the board of directors, I, I was like so nervous about it because I thought maybe they'll hang me tonight. Um, 
you know, but, but they didn't. L- listen, they, they were the exact opposite. They put me at ease, and they said, we'll do what we, we can do, and God will make up the difference. And so it put me at ease, and so what we've done, our denomination, based on since March of 17 to now, listen, our church has grown in attendance. It has grown financially, so much so that our denomination said, you're good for another million, like even from a bank standpoint. They were like, you can get a loan up to $4 million. Now, I'm not saying that we're adding another million. Right now, we're working with a bank uh, about um, securing more money, but our board of directors has also, because they are such great stewards of the money, we, we build in margin. And so what that, what that means, simply put, is that we don't spend everything that comes in. We budget saving. Like, it, it's like... It's up front. So they have agreed that we would ingest another up to 500,000 cash, which would put us close to 2 million of cash that we, we would be able to put in to this project and then at the same time secure the additional money so that we can get in this building. Uh, and, and the reason, again, guys, is how much is a soul worth? See, a lot of times we talk about these numbers and we throw around like three million, four million, five, and people are like, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. But they, they may be big numbers, but we serve a bigger God. And how much is a soul worth? I think a soul's worth more than a million dollars. When you talk about eternity, come on, somebody. It, it, what, what kind of price tag can we put on that? So I, I wanted to say all that and, and also to say this is from my personal seat, like where I sit as a pastor and knowing that if this thing succeeds, you know, people say, great job, pastor, but I also know if it all failed, how many know there's only one person that all 1,200 people are going to point at? Right here. And so there was, a, there was a level of, throughout the process, because you guys have been faithful, our board has been making great decisions that I just felt like we'll just, you know, do this and smile all along the way and never hit any snags at all. That was kind of my thinking. And then I was reminded that that doesn't require any level of faith. And God is not going to allow us to get to a place where we don't need him. That's good preaching, even though I'm not preaching yet. Anyway, we are good. We're going to put more money into it. We, we're good financially to secure some more um, uh, finances from the bank. We're going to be good. We're going to continue to grow. And I hope that we're able to reach thousands of people from right here in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, Virginia. Anybody with me on that? All right. Now, I got to get into the message because um, some of you are like, I didn't need a no update. I just need a word. All right. Here's your word. Our, our series title is Beyond the Numbers, Beyond the Numbers. And before you think that because we made the announcement, we're preaching on finances, no, this was planned in October of last year. We plan our sermon series for the entire year before we get into the year, and every November, those of you that have been here a while, you know what we talk about every November. I don't preach on it enough because 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus taught dealt with money and possessions. He talked more about money than he did, than he did any other subject except for faith. Faith is the only thing he talked more about. He talked more about money than he did prayer, more about money than he did heaven and hell. Does that mean money's more important than those things? No. But how many of you understand that we struggle with money? 
That is, Jesus connected your heart to money. That's what he connected to. He even said this. He said, you can't serve God and money. Our heart follows our money. You don't believe me, let somebody steal from you. You get mad real quick, right? Because you work for it. You, you earn it. Your heart is attached to your finances. And so uh, we're going to take about three weeks, not four this time, all right, just three weeks, and we're going to talk about this beyond the numbers. And I want to call this first message the principle of first. The principle of first. All throughout the word of God, we see this principle of first. The first fruits and the firstborn and the first 10% of our income belonging to God. We see it all throughout scripture. And I want to start from Exodus chapter number 13, starting in verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. So God uses the word consecrate, which in Hebrew means to set aside. It means to separate the firstborn. And then he declares, it is mine. This is, this is the principle of first. The firstborn, the first fruits belong to God. And when God said, it is mine, it's a declarative phrase. God is saying, it is my property, it belongs to me, and you are not to touch it. That is the indication that we get from this scripture. Exodus chapter 13, verses 12 and 13 says this. He says, you shall set apart to the Lord, all that opens, uh, that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. I want you to notice the ownership again. God says, that's mine. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. I'll explain that in just a moment. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So I want you to look at what God says. He says here, if you don't redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And what God is saying here is that if you don't bring what belongs to me first, you're going to lose it anyway. Some of us, we know that feeling. You don't have to raise your hand. I don't need you telling on yourself. But we take or keep that which belongs to God and then the car breaks down. The refrigerator stops working. And now we found out we owe this bill. And so God says that if we don't bring it to him first, we lose that anyway. And so God declares that the first portion always belongs to him. Now we're going to get into this a little later, but we know from scripture that the tithe belongs to God. Now some of you, maybe, maybe you're new to church and you're like, what's a tithe? The tithe is the first 10% of our income belongs to God. It's not something we give. Scripture says it's something we bring. The reason we bring it and don't give it is because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. God said it is mine. Don't touch that. If you keep it, you're going to lose it anyway. All right? It belongs to God. So I want to give you three principles that I think will be powerful for you today. Number one, the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. Um, in this case, God is talking about the firstborn. He says that the firstborn has to either be sacrificed or the firstborn has to be redeemed. And the question is, how do you know which one to do? How do you know whether to sacrifice it 
or redeem it. Well, God gave us two animals to help us uh, illustrate, to illustrate this point with two categories. God gives us the lamb and God gives us the donkey. The lamb represents clean. The, the donkey represents unclean. Everybody following me so far, all right? Lamb clean, donkey unclean. We, we have to either sacrifice it or we have to redeem it. Now, in Scripture, the way this would work is that if you owned a clean animal, a lamb, and your lamb had their firstborn, that clean animal, because it was a firstborn, you were to sacrifice that lamb to God. Like you didn't wait to see if you would have 10 lambs. The first one that came out, you, you gave it to God. You would sacrifice it immediately. Now, on the other hand, if you had uh, an unclean animal, a donkey, and that donkey has a firstborn, what you would do there is that you would redeem it. And so th th this is about First, and then I want to tie it spiritually, and I want you to see something that'll help us with this. The way you would redeem it, like if you had the unclean animal with the firstborn, the way you would redeem it is that you would then sacrifice a clean animal to save the unclean one. All right? Now walk with me for just a minute. When you and I were born into this world, did we come into this world clean or unclean? It's not a trick question. Unclean, right? We are born into sin. We come into the world needing a Savior, needing Jesus to redeem us, to save us. We come into the world that way. We are all born into sin. Now, I don't have to go any further than to speak to the parents right now about this. Clean or unclean? Uh, the question would be, uh, do you have to teach your kids how to be bad? No, you spend most of your time trying to teach them how to be good because we come into the world with a bend towards sin, with a bend towards bad behavior. And so we have to teach them how to be good. On the other end, we have Jesus who was also born into the world. Did Jesus come into the world clean or unclean? Clean, very, very good. Hit your neighbor and say, you passed. He came into the world clean. He was spotless, he was faultless, he was completely clean. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He came in differently than you and I came. He was clean. The clean, this is where you gotta catch it. The clean, Jesus, had to be sacrificed so that the unclean, you and I, could be redeemed. See, what we miss oftentimes in the principle of giving to God that which belongs to him first is that it has the power then to bless the rest. God gave Jesus up front. He didn't wait until you figured it out and got your stuff together and then gave Jesus. He gave Jesus first. This is the principle of first. And this is why a lot of people, when you talk about tithing or giving or generosity, they really struggle because they don't understand the power or the principle of first. And so people will say things like, the church just wants my money. Or, I'm mad at the pastor, so I'm no longer giving. Not understanding you didn't steal from me, you stole from God. Are y'all in this place, or I need to, like, throw something? You good? All right. I won't throw anything then. Now, check this out. We give the tithe first, and, it, and, and what we have to also picture is that Jesus was the firstborn of many. God gave him first, and now... He has 
all of us. We were redeemed because the clean was sacrificed. And so God says that when we bring the tithe, this is the only place in Scripture that the Bible says that we can test God is from the book of Malachi. And I won't read it. You guys have heard it over the years. But the the prophet Malachi uh, writing says that if we will test God or prove God in the area of giving, in the area of tithing and offerings, that God says, I will open up the heavens, pour you out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, it's a powerful thing that God says, I want to tie a blessing to your obedience, that when you bring what belongs to me, that has the power to bless the rest. How many of your mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless the rest? Man, it's a, y'all going to make me work today. I can already tell. So when we tithe and we bring it to God, he, he, he attaches a blessing to it. And the other part of that is, I want to say it like this, just so everybody is clear. And I've said this for the last several years. You can prove God or test God in this area. And we'll let you do it right here at Bethesda. And listen to this. If you do it and you're not fully satisfied, we'll give it back to you. Now, what church says that? Not Most places are not going to say, once you ride it, baby, it's gone. But if you, you say, you know what, we're going to tithe, we're going to try that we've never done. We're going to honor God by bringing the tithe, and you're not fully satisfied, we'll give it back. Come on, hit your name and say, that's, that's all right. Come on. All right, now let's go a step further. Have you ever thought, because I know we got some analytical people. I have an analytical mind. I have a lot of questions about anything I'm learning. Like some people will be like, you know, why did God invent tithing? You know, that would be a question. Why why did God invent tithing? And, And a lot of people would answer, well, he did that to support the work of the ministry. And there is an element of truth to that. But let me just, you know, cause the pause right here real quick and say, do you actually think God needs your money to support his work? Manna out of heaven, water out of a rock. This one church was in the middle of a building project, and some people got mad at the pastor, and they left, about half of them. And check this out. They called the bank and said, hey, they won't be able to pay their bills because we're all leaving. A sinner man, a wealthy sinner man, found out about it, came to church every Sunday, and wrote enough checks every single month to cover the banknote until the church grew again. Listen, if you don't want to do what God has told you to do, he'll raise up somebody else. God's going to provide for his work. He's going to do it. I've seen it way too many times. So he did not invent tithing for his sake. He invented tithing for your sake because when you give what belongs to God first, it requires faith. Second principle, the first fruits must be offered. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. Honor the Lord with your, your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So God wants us to know that the first 10% belongs to him. That's what he says is mine. It belongs to me. And we bring it into the house of God. That's where we bring it. Now, when it comes to the tithe, we can either bring it or keep it right? We can bring it or keep it. 
And, and what we have to understand is that it belongs to us, and I'm going to say something else kind of strong, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because it's the Word of God. You're not fighting me. You're fighting Jesus. All right, here it is. Um, you can't designate tithe. He says it's mine, it's separate, it's holy. Some people want to designate tithe. You can't, like, I want 2% in outreach and 3% with the kids and I want 5%. No, 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 baby, you don't designate tithe. God don't play with the tithe. It is his, it belongs to him. And and I'm going to say another thing right here. You're not generous until after you've brought the tithe. So don't think because you tip God and call it a tithe that you're generous. Generosity begins after we've brought the tithe. That's why if you'll notice when we launched the Imagine campaign, we didn't say we're going to take all the tithe and put it on the building. We said we need everybody to do above. I can't hide behind this. Not going to work. So the tithe, here's a great way of looking at it. The tithe is God's, the offering is ours. You, you can designate an offering anywhere you want. That's generosity. That's above and beyond. When the children of Israel came out of bondage and, and they came through the wilderness and started taking over cities and wiping them out, if you'll notice, God didn't have to tell them, I want you to bring me a tithe of all these cities, God said, the first city you come to, which is Jericho, I want you to destroy the city, but all the silver, all the gold, all the stuff in it, you don't take any of it, you bring it all to me. Why did God do that? God was, was showing them that, that Jericho itself was a first fruits city, that the first, God was saying, it's mine, don't touch it, it's separate. That belongs to me. Another great way of looking at this is in the Old Testament when Cain and Abel, both in Genesis, brought an offering to God. You guys remember this? They both brought an offering. And the scripture says that God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. And I'll be honest with you, that scripture bothered me for a long time. Why would God accept, you know, one and then reject his brother? Why would God do that? And when you look at the story, the answer is right there. I mean, you just read over it. In Genesis chapter 4, look at it. It says, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. The process of time, it came to pass, Cain brought an offering. That's all it says. Notice that it does not say he brought the, the first fruits. He's a farmer, all right, because he's bringing something from the land. He doesn't bring the first fruits. He just brings an offering. Abel also brought, watch this, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. So the difference between Cain and Abel is that Cain brought what he wanted when he wanted. Abel brought what God said is mine. So God says, I'm going to accept that. It's the firstborn, the firstfruits. I accept that. But Cain, you don't get to just bring whatever you feel comfortable bringing. You, you should have brought what belonged to me. And so he rejected Cain's all. Now, another argument you'll have with people anytime you talk about finances is, well, you know, that's all law stuff. And I get tithing was under the law. But if you really study scripture, it started before the law. And even if it was only law, check this out. Adultery 
comes from the law. But all you fellas know it's wrong to cheat on your wife. Honor your parents is under the law. And we all know to dishonor parents is wrong. And, and yet we will, we will talk about giving or tithing. And we, want, we don't really understand the principle and the power of it. Not only did God not accept Cain's offering. Check this. I want you to get this. God couldn't accept his offering. How is that possible? I thought God can do anything, Pastor. He can do anything he wants to do. And there is an element of truth to that. God can do anything he wants to do that's within his nature. He can do anything he wants to do that is not, God cannot act outside of his will. For instance, God cannot lie. Why can't God lie? Because he is truth. Right? He doesn't speak truth. He is truth. So he cannot lie. God cannot change. Because to suggest that God could change would mean that God could get better. And God can't get better. He's already the best. I want to say it the way we can get it. God's already the goat. He can't, he can't get better. God is already the best. God cannot think the way you and I think. This, this is the, the omniscience of God. Omni comes from all. Science comes from, not, means knowledge. Put them together. It literally means that God knows all things at the same time. Now, if you think about that for a few days this week, you're going to trip a breaker or two. He knows everything at the same time. He has all knowledge. When we, when we think, we, how many, we have to try to figure stuff out and compartmentalize. And if we learn a bunch of stuff, if we get too much, we start forgetting some of the stuff. God knows everything at the same time. And another play, I'm going to take it a step further here. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Like God has never said, oh, I just thought of. He has all knowledge at the same time. One more, just to show you God can't act outside of his will. God cannot be second. He is never in second place. God is always in first place. This is a theological word for it is the preeminence of God. It literally means God is higher than everything else. He's above everything else. And we say things sometimes, and we mean well, and we should say this. We, we tell people, put God first in your life. Put God first in your life. Whether you put God first in your life or not, he's still first in the universe. Even if you have the wrong order in your life, you can't change his order. He is always first. So the reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering is because it wasn't first. Point number three. Everybody say, he's almost there. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. I'll be back when this series is over. The tithe must be for... I, can I say this real quick? I love preaching on this. Absolutely love it. And the reason is because the Bible is full of Scripture. There's, there's businessmen that don't even know Jesus that understand the power of giving. Like, and operate in, in, a, in a realm of giving that some people who love Jesus won't operate in. 
Because they understand that what we do as it relates to generosity and the tithe, God then can, can bless the rest. See, the tithe is first because God is first. Leviticus 27, 30. It says, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or to the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Again, it belongs to God. And, and he set apart the tithe so that you and I could walk in faith. We could walk in obedience. And he wants us to learn how to trust him. And, and the tithe is simple. It simply means tenth, 10%. If you get paid 100, 10 $100 bills this week, the first one belongs to God. You say, well, it, 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 10%, well, which one's the tithe? The first one that leaves your hand. Some of us will pay the mortgage, the light bill, the car payment, the 27 credit cards. You better not have 27 credit cards. I was trying to be funny, but it wasn't funny. People are drowning in that stuff. Drowning in it. The first one that leaves our hand, that's the tithe. And, and the reason that's important, again, the mortgage company can't bless the remainder. But God can bless the remainder. And, and God does not receive leftovers. And I got to say that strong because Malachi also told us God was upset with his own people because they were bringing offerings to him. And I know we can't even fathom. They brought an offering. Shouldn't God just relax and be happy? He wasn't happy at all. Because they were waiting to see how many they had so that they could see if we could trust him or not. Because you know how people are. I can't afford to tithe. Can't afford to tithe. And, and so they were, they were seeing what they had and then they were bringing to God the ones that were, the animals that were blind and lame. Like they were finding the worst of the bunch and saying that's what we'll give to, the, to God. And how often do we come to church and, and we bring God leftovers? Leftovers financially, leftovers in our worship, leftovers in every part of our life. We don't bring him the first and the best. A lot of time we just give him what's left. And please don't call your tip a tithe. Man, I, some of y'all are like, I ain't coming back. See, this is so powerful if we could get a hold of it. So powerful. We, i got so many people in this church that will give you testimonies of what God has done for their business and what God has done in their personal. And you got to get past the blessing just being financial. When God says, I'll bless you, I'll pour out a blessing you can't receive. It talks about finances, but you need to know the blessing is more than finances because what good is a pile of money if you're sick? What, what good is a big bank account if all your relationships stink? God says, I want to get involved in your health, in your relationship. I want the blessing to be on your life, and the blessing impacts every area of our lives. And all we have to do is exercise a little faith. Trust God a little bit. Say, God, you can do more with the 90% than I can do with the 100%. And Jesus, again, he connected money with our heart. Our heart follows our money. Doesn't matter where you send it. Doesn't matter what you use, how much of it you use. Our heart is always connected 
to money. And so to make sure our heart stays right, I think tithing is a good thing. I think tithing and generosity can break greed off of your life. Because at that point, it's no longer about you. It's no longer about what you can get. Look at Exodus chapter 13. It says, so it shall be when your son asks you in a, in a time to come, saying, worship team, y'all can join me or I'm not, never quitting. By strength of hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. This is so powerful. God is saying here, one day your son, all right, he's telling these, these adults in the book of Acts, one day your son is going to get old enough to ask you why you give God the firstborn. Why are you taking the best of the, of the crop and bringing it to God? Why are you doing that? Because what would happen in the Old Testament is, is that if they had a lamb, for instance, and this lamb was having its firstborn, the family may run out and say, oh, we're getting ready to have a baby lamb. And, and as this baby lamb is being born, everybody's around, oh, isn't that thing so cute? But what they didn't see is that on their way out to see the lamb is that before they left the house to go to the barn, dad grabbed a knife. And as they're all sitting around saying, look at what a beautiful little lamb, they don't know dad's about to pick the lamb up by the hind legs and slit its throat and kill the lamb. Now, a couple things about that. The son, at that point in his life, he's thinking, man, what's up with that? Or he's thinking, you know, don't mess with that. Or I don't know what this lamb did, but I don't want to do what this lamb did. But later on, maybe the, the son goes off to college and he comes back home and he takes over the family business. And the dad hands over the books to the son. And the son is looking at all the numbers. And he's thinking, Man, we are, we're wasting a lot of profits. All these firstborn we're killing. And, and, and he has a conversation with dad. He said, dad, do you know you killed 133 lambs last year? Do you realize, everybody has blind spots, dad. You, you, you can't see it, but we are, we are giving away all of our profit because you keep giving, sacrificing these firstborn." And here's what God says when your son gets to that point and can ask, why are you doing that? Why are you writing a check like that to Bethesda Church and, and writing to, why would you even do that? Here's what God says. He says, I want you to tell your son that there's something that, that, that you don't know about our family. And that something that you don't know about our family is son, we were not always in the ranching business. Son, we were not always people that had any means. We didn't always have animals or land. We didn't have anything at all. We were slaves in a place called Egypt. We had no way to get free, to free ourselves. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us, brought us out of captivity out of bondage, removed us from being slaves, and gave us our only land. 
So I will gladly, son, give to God what belongs to him. I will gladly give God the first portion. He said, I want you to tell your kids why you do what you do. That I will gladly give. Because listen, the truth is, many of us were not all, I didn't always preach the gospel, y'all. I was in bondage. I was addicted. I was messed up. I had no peace of mind. But God set me free. God saved me. God changed me. God delivered me. And so I will gladly bring to God what belongs to Him. And I'll do it with a smile on my face. I'll do it with my hands lifted. I'm going to tell my kids why we do what we do. Come on, Bethesda. Let's give God a praise if you believe what He says about this. Come on. Give Him praise today. Woo! Now check this out. Check this out. Jesus was the firstborn of many. He was clean and sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's the picture, guys. We got to see this. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around. For these next couple of moments, if you're in this place, and I know we've been talking about tithe and first fruits and giving, but at the end of the day, the most important thing we can talk about is Jesus laid down his life for you. He is the firstborn among many. And I believe today could be your day. If you're in this place and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're not right with God. Jesus has already paid the price for your sins. He's already paid that price. If you need to make Him the Lord of your life today, you say, that, that's me, I want to do it, I want to do it today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. Thank you for this hand over here. God bless you. God bless you. Another one here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else say, that's me? That's me? Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else before we pray? God bless you. God bless you. God sees that hand. Another one there. God bless you. Another one over there. God bless you. See, you know the Holy Spirit's in it when you preach on money and people want to know Jesus. How many know God is in this? He's all in this. All those hands lifted. We're not going to leave you on an island to yourself. We're going to pray with you, for you. So I want every voice lifted together. We're going to pray this out loud so we can hear it with our own ears today. Everybody say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give all those people a big hand today. Give them a big God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. We're so honored that you chose to be with us today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.